worship in the name of God, who is nearer than we can imagine, larger than we hoped, more forgiving than we deserve, and more in love with us than we will ever know. In the knowledge of this God, we pray. Holy God, one in three, creator and redeemer, merciful judge, the vine from which our branches feed. You know our frailties and failings even before we ourselves. Give us your grace to overcome them. Keep us from those things that harm us and guide us in the way of salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. O Lord God, tireless guardian of your people, you are always ready to hear our cries. Teach us to rely day and night on your care. Inspire us to seek your enduring justice for all this suffering world. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading this morning is from 2 Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message. Be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Can you imagine this widow? I mean, the nerve of this woman. The nerve of her to come and to bother this judge. To come to this person who is so important in society, who has so many things on his plate. 
to come to her and to say, I want justice. I mean, does she not know her place in the world? She is about here, and he is about way up here. It's really selfish of this widow, if you think about it, for her to bother this man who has so much on his plate and to come and say, I want justice, over and over and over again. I mean, maybe perhaps if she would go out into the world and realize that there are other people who have it worse off than she does. Maybe she goes and finds an orphan, right? Because orphans can't take care of themselves. She's at least an adult. Why would she bother this man who is so important and who has so much power and has very little time on her hands? And yet here she comes over and over and over, bothering him, nagging him until finally... Until finally the judge says, all right, just to get you off my back, I will grant you justice. So you'll finally leave me alone. She should consider herself very lucky that this judge finally gave in and granted justice. Now I'm going to take a guess here, and I'm going to say that most of the people in this room would not fall in line with that kind of thinking. Nobody here in this place would look at this widow and go, oh, come on. Quit wasting the judge's time. In fact, most of us, I would be willing to bet all of us would say, yes, this woman deserves justice, absolutely. She should keep coming to this judge over and over and over again until she finally gets what she wants. In fact, most of us would be second in line, right behind her, to help fight for justice for this widow. Nobody here would look down upon this woman for coming to this judge and demanding that which she deserves. But I don't know about you. We have a really easy time finding the widows in our society and fighting for justice for them and coming to God for them and praying for them and helping them. I don't know if you're like me, though. I have a really hard time doing that for myself. We can look at other people and say, yes, you deserve justice. Yes, you should pray to God. But for me, when it comes to myself and when I need something, when there's something going on in my life, I almost feel guilty. I almost feel like, oh, I shouldn't be bothering God. Come on, God's got the whole world in his hands. He doesn't have time. God doesn't have time for my problems. And I feel guilty coming to God and saying, God, I need you. I have a really hard time doing that. Because in my mind, I'm always thinking, as a follower of God, I need to be looking out for the other person, always. But when there's something going on in my life, I have to be reminded to take time and to be like this widow who knows that she's not okay and who knows she deserves something and who has the courage to come to this judge and say, I want what I deserve. I deserve justice. I'm not okay. I'm not going to be okay until... I get justice. Are you like that? Do you ever find yourself being a lot more like Martha? You're Martha. You're running around. You're serving. You're praying. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're doing all of these things out in the world, but you struggle to be like Mary. You struggle sometimes to come to the feet of Jesus and to listen to Jesus and to talk to Jesus and to hear what Jesus wants for you. I I have a really hard time doing that. You know, I've heard this parable preached on a bunch of times, and most of the time when I hear this parable preached on, that is the message that we as Christians and as followers of Jesus need to be out in the world, and we need to be looking for the widows in our society, and we need to be fighting for justice for them, and I agree. 
we absolutely need to be doing that, but that is not what this parable is about. We're told right in the beginning of our reading that this parable teaches us that we need to be praying and never giving up for ourselves. We don't need to be looking for the widows in our society according to this parable. We need to see ourselves in this widow and have the courage that she had to be able to come not to an unjust judge, but to come to God and say, God, I'm not okay. I need help. May we have that kind of courage. It's hard for me to do that. It's so hard for me to be out. In, it's, excuse me, it's easy for me to be out in the world and to be caring for others, but when it comes to myself, I struggle with it. I forget to do it. I forget to do it all the time. I got to say, this is, um, is kind of surreal for me, being up here in this place. This is an honor, and I, I want to thank Pastor Scott and Pastor Melissa and Cal Lou for inviting me here and that fly that's flying by me. I want to thank, thank you for inviting me here to deliver this message. And as I think about some of the men and women who have stood up here and who have preached and who, you know, bishops and pastors and amazing preachers and speakers, and I think about all of these people who've been in this place preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel with this community, I got to tell you, I feel a little bit like a weenie in a steakhouse. <laughs> I feel out of place. I feel like I should not be up here. You see, I didn't come to Cal Lutheran to meet God. I didn't come to Cal Lutheran to be up here. I remember the first time I walked into this place, into this beautiful chapel, I sat right up there in that balcony the first week of school with my roommate and best friend of eight years. And then President Lukey at the time was standing here and he was welcoming the class of 2001 to California Lutheran University. And I sat up there in that pew and I looked around at Samuelson Chapel, at this beautiful chapel with its amazing stained glass windows and artwork and incredible organ. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, there are some hot girls at this college. <laughs> I mean, my head was on a swivel. It's like, hey, hey, what's going on? College is going to be awesome. You see, I didn't come to this place to meet God. I didn't come to this place to get to know Jesus. I had assumed, I already know God. I already know Jesus. I'm good. I'm here to meet girls. And I'll be honest with you, I met the girl. And I married her right here. So this place holds a special place in my heart. But I never saw myself here. But thanks to some amazing people in this place at, at Kalu who prayed for me and who walked with me and talked to me about God, I began to realize who Jesus was, not in a knowledge, not in a head knowledge sort of way, but in a heart sort of way. I began to understand who Jesus was and how he was my Savior and how he mattered in my life. And one of the people who I met here, who prayed with me and who walked with me and who was with me my entire time, was a guy, if you were to look at him, you would never look at this individual and say, now that is a religious person. His name was Jimmy. Some of you know James Frederick Polk. <laughs> Pastor Scott knows him. <laughs> you would look at Jimmy in his, tattered, in his tattered shorts and in his tattered shirt, and you would go, that can't be a spiritual guy. 
I mean, he was the guy who, when I met him for the first time, I was standing in Mount Clef, and he stood at my doorway with a pillow shoved in his shirt saying, you guys want to play fat man with me? <laughs> he was the guy who would go to the calf and take a donut home with him and roll it across the parking lot in Mount Clef and then run and get said donut and eat it for breakfast. He was the guy who would pour orange juice on his head in the middle of the calf just to make his friends laugh. Jimmy did not look spiritual, but if you ever sat down and talked to him, you would realize that he was someone who loved God, and he was someone who loved his friends, and he was someone who loved everybody he came into contact with. You know, and he was one of those people in this place. And he taught me a very, very important lesson about God. You see, poor Jimmy, I would come to him all the time during my college career. And I'd say, Jimmy, this is what's going on. I've got this and this and this and this. And I'd give him this long list of things of everything that was wrong that was going on with my life and who I was upset with. And he would listen very intently. And then he would say, I hear you, Mike. And he would ask me these two questions which changed my perspective on God. He said, Mike, are you okay? And if you're not, have you talked to God about it? And I never really thought about that. When he would, the first time he asked me that question, I remember thinking, Jesus, are you, or Jesus, Jimmy, please, whoa, please do not, please do not tell Jimmy I said that if you know him. I would say, Jimmy, were you not listening? What do you mean, am I okay? This isn't, no, 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 Jimmy, you're not hearing me. And he'd say, yeah, I know, I know, but, but are you okay? And have you prayed about it? Have you talked to God about it? And I, I've known Jimmy since I started here, and every time something wrong is going on in my life, those are the questions that he asks. It doesn't matter what's going on. He always says, are you okay? Have you talked to God about it? My family is sitting right here, my, my two boys and my wife and my in-laws, and next to Jesus and my relationship with God, this is my pride and joy right here. And um, I remember April 10th, 2004, I'm sitting in the hospital at the University of Chicago, and I'm holding my brand new son, who's about four hours old, and I'm holding him, yeah, he's waving his hand, <laughs> he clearly has his mother's extrovert personality, but anyway, and I'm sitting in the hospital room, and I'm holding him in my arms, and I'm talking to God, and I say, God, I now understand you more than I have ever understood you. Thank you for this blessing. God, I'll go wherever you want. I will serve whoever you want me to serve. I will pray for whoever you want me. God, I, I just have this one favor, just this teeny tiny favor to ask, God. As I'm holding Sam and I'm looking at him and I say, God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Just keep my kids safe. Make sure they're okay. Keep them healthy. God, if you can fulfill that, we're good. I will go wherever you call. So last summer, 2012, that deal that I made with God was put to the test. I, um, we were out here on the West Coast, and we were out here for two weeks, and when we flew back, we noticed that there was something off about Sam, something not right, something didn't seem right. Long story short, we rushed him to the um, Children's Hospital in Chicago where he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which you, if you've ever even been in the ER with your kids, you know how scary that is. But when they tell you type 1 and they say, we're going to have to admit him, you don't hear anything else. That first day in the hospital, I remember two things. Pulling up to the hospital and 
Sam smiling when he finally got to eat. Everything else was an absolute blur for me. I don't remember what was said. I don't remember where we were. I don't remember what I did. Until about 1 o'clock in the morning, after Gail had fallen asleep and Sam was asleep and Joe was with his grandparents, I called Jimmy, who had always been there. And I said, Jimmy, Sam is sick. This is not supposed to happen. I said, Jimmy, why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? What does this mean for Sam? What does this mean for Gail? What does this mean for our family? And I'm rattling off all of my fears and all of my anxieties, and I'm pouring them onto Jimmy, and Jimmy says, Mike, I love you. Are you okay? Have you talked to God about this? I said, Jimmy, you're not listening to me. Don't, did you not hear what I said? You're not listening. This isn't about me. This is about Sam. This is about Joe. This is about Gail. This is about what this means for our future. And he said, Mike, I love you. Are you okay? And have you talked to God about it? He said, Mike, I'm asking you this question. I realize you're scared for Sammy. I realize you're scared for your family. He said, but if you're not okay, if you're not talking to God, if you're not praying for strength, if you're not praying to get through this, then you can't help your family get through this. He says, you need to be grounded in Christ. He said, you need to pray for strength so you have the strength to help your family. And a light bulb went on. And all of a sudden, I thought back to that deal that I made with God. God, if nothing happens to my kids, we'll be okay. And I realized, you know, God, we're okay no matter what. No matter what I go through, no matter what storm I'm going through, no matter what's happening in my life, I know that I can always come to you and I can always pray to you. And as I think back on Jimmy and that question that he kept asking to me over and over and over again, it seems like such a simple question to ask ourselves and yet so difficult to answer from time to time. To ask the question, am I okay? So this widow... We need to be like this widow. We need to have the courage that our widow from the story had today, who knew that she needed justice, who knew knew that she was not okay, and who knew that she would not be okay until she got her justice. She came to this judge and demanded it over and over and over and over again. And Jesus says, did you see what the judge said about this woman? Because she kept coming over and over again, Jesus says, God knows what you want. Come to God in prayer. Tell God what it is that you need. I don't know about you. I still struggle with being like Mary. I still struggle to take the time out of my busy day and everything that's going on to sit at the feet of Jesus and to say, Jesus, I can't do this life without you. It's always easier to be like Martha. I struggle to have the courage of our widow to come to God and say, I'm not okay. But God, because I know I have you, because of what Jesus did, I know it's going to be all right. Because you are with me always, no matter what. So friends, let me ask you, are you okay? Are you okay? And if you're not okay, have you talked to God about it? Are you okay? And if you are okay, have you thanked God for it? You know, when the religious leaders came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, tell us what the greatest commandment is, we all know that answer. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, and all your mind. And the second is similar to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
And we always focus on that first part of that second commandment, love your neighbor. But remember what Jesus says, love your neighbor not greater than yourself, love your neighbor not less than yourself. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. If we're going to deny ourselves as Christians, we can't deny ourselves as Christians if we're not taking care of ourselves as followers of Christ. And that is a hard lesson for me to learn. And so that is my encouragement to you here this morning. This is not a, this is not a message about self-indulgence, but rather this is a message about self-care. Because all of us want to go fight for the poor. All of us want to find the widows out in the world. But in order for us to do that, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him and talk to him and pray to him. That's my prayer for all of you this morning, that you would have the strength and the insight that this widow had from our parable. And come not to an unjust, unloving, or uncaring judge, but that you would come to an all-knowing, all-loving, all-caring, just God and say, God, I need you no matter what's going on in my life. Be able to say, God, I need you not just in good times, not just in bad times, but I need you all the time. Jesus, I need you in my life no matter where I go. Brothers and sisters, it will be okay. Jesus is with us every single step of the way, whether we realize it or not. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for being with us regardless if we see you or not. God, help us to have the courage and the strength of the widow in our parable today and come to you for everything that we need. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God. God of all faithfulness, keep your people awake, always searching for situations and people that long for your mercy. Form us to be faithful in prayer and in service. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Be present in all places where learning and teaching are present, that a thirst for wisdom and knowledge would find answers in you. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Mercifully engage those who wrestle with faith or belief in you, especially those who have been hurt by the church. Hold them fast and draw them into your love. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Holy One of life and death and every breath in between, we take a moment to remember all CLU alumnus, faculty, and staff who have finished their journey on this earth and have been found at home in you. May they continue to live in and through us as we share their stories. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. Into your hands, O Holy One, we entrust all for whom we pray, confident in your abundant and abiding mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. 
It is indeed right, our duty and deep joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the whole host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. The peace of Christ be with you all. And also with you. Share that peace with all around. You are indeed holy, almighty, and merciful God. You are most holy and great is the majesty of your glory. You so love the world that you gave your only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have everlasting life. We give you thanks for his coming into the world to fulfill for us your holy will and to accomplish all things for our salvation. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to all of them to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim our Lord's death until he comes. To you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory in your holy church now and forever. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. We come again to you, O God, giving you thanks that in this feast of mercy you have embraced us and healed us, making us one in the body of Christ. Go with us on our way. Equip us for every good work that we may continue to give you thanks by embracing others with mercy and healing. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please stand. The God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus. Amen. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The God of all grace, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen.